Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death. Welcome to Mort Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I am Red. And we are your Essence's ethereal escorts this week. It is not uncommon for people to speak of their guardian angels, something or someone spiritual that watches over them throughout their life until their last day. Some of those encountering near-death experiences have claimed to have seen what they can only assume to be their watchful angels gathering around to fly their souls away to its next plane of peaceful existence. But this is no new concept. These beings can be found peppered into most all cultures, mythos across time and space in recorded human history, and they're known as psychopomps. In the simplest form, a psychopomp is a guide of the soul. This is the literal translation from its Greek root origin. Uh, More flowery, it's like a spiritual figure that guides a soul from the recently deceased vessel to a place of the dead. This definition has expanded to so many uses across different cultures and media and encompasses a vast menagerie of figures and concepts. Psychopomps are represented in many cultures by uh, many different embodiments. This can range from the common sense ones like uh, deities and angels to the more fantastical like animals and dead relatives. Mm -hmm. And can I just say I love that word? It's something that I haven't really ever heard before. We did some research for this episode, but it's definitely good to know that there's an actual word, an actual name for those. And so I think the criteria that we used for like psychopomp uh, versus like uh like a god of death sort of figure like you know hades or anything like this like a psychopomp versus that are like two different things um but there are some gods out there in certain religions and certain cultures that do fall into this definition of a psychopomp for example yama is the hindu god of death and justice um yama sort of acts like a sorting hat he guides (laughs) souls to the appropriate level of purgatory or heaven Uh, depending on how good or bad they were in life, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) And often shown with a pasha or a rope, kind of like a noose in his hands, in true cowboy fashion, he (laughs) uses it to lasso a soul out of the body and drag it to its awaiting punishment or celebration. That's a real drag. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Hermes, um, who's a Greek messenger god who is free to move between the worlds of mortals and gods with his fancy winged sandals, all the rage. Uh, (laughs) This makes him the perfect candidate to escort souls to the underworld where he passes the baton to our next being. So this is one that I really 
really was excited to talk about. Our next grouping of entities, they're not necessarily titles gods, but their functions are just as important in the lore of their cultures. So um, once Hermes has uh, escorted the soul down to the underworld, that's where our buddy uh, Karen picks up things. So uh, anybody who's ever had a vague interest in Greek mythology has definitely heard of Karen. Uh, Any book, movie, or video game about visiting the underworld has a scene with this guy in it. Um, he's the ferryman who carries souls across the river Styx in his boat. It's uh, the oh. river that divides the world of the living and then the world of the dead. I didn't know that he had a name. I thought he was just the the just ferryman of Styx. That guy. <laughs> that boat guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And uh, you gotta you gotta pay him the troll toll to ferry that boy's soul. Uh, he does not work for free, and um, and many people are probably familiar with the trope of placing coins over the eyes or mouth of a deceased person, and that's actually where this came from. Um, not sure why he's not into pockets, but all right. Um, so I, I always thought that was a really neat neat thing that you don't see in movies and things like that, where people would leave the the coins on people's eyes. I always liked that. Yeah, I've definitely also heard of the stories that are like the myths or whatever, where if you don't have money to pay him, you just kind of like wait there, kind of like a form of purgatory. But, um, yeah. you know, just because you don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism <laughs> strikes again. <laughs> uh, we also have um, Valkyries, and that's from the Norse mythology. Uh, these these battle maidens rode atop horses and roved uh, around the battlefields, and they'd whisk away the, the bravely fallen to their eternity to fight and feast in Valhalla. Um, the Valkyries themselves are servants of Odin, and the actual literal translation of Valkyrie uh, is Chooser of the Slain, which is super badass. Ooh, that's a good band name. <laughs> yeah, it's writing that down. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that Valkyries uh, could be classified as psychopomps, but that totally makes sense since that's like, yeah, pretty much their job. Yeah. And they uh, actually, they apparently held the the power to nudge warriors they didn't like to die an early death, (laughs) which is super petty and I love it. Um, And actually, not everybody who fell in battle got chosen to go to Valhalla. Um, So you got to make sure you're racking up a really good KD ratio if you want to sit in Odin's Hall. I know, you got to be on the top of those charts. (laughs) And so besides divine beings and gods, um, there are also some animals that are, oh, actually a lot of animals that are considered to be psychopomps in one way or another. And I think we see this when, you know, uh, a lot with like after death experiences that people have. So say like, oh, you know, um, I was walking thinking about grandma and a raven came down and landed on my shoulder or something like this. Or like a Um, butterfly flies by or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So animals like horses, deer, dogs, what is a whip pour? <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I had to like when I was researching this, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. It's a bird. Um, a whippoorwill is a bird. I guess that it, like it's like the call that it makes. It's like whippoorwill. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not like, a bird scientist. <laughs> We're not bird scientists. <laughs> Um, ravens, crows, vultures, uh, obviously, owls, sparrows, and cuckoo birds. 
I think uh, I think birds are often like because th- that entire list was mostly just birds. I think they're often seen as psychopomps due to a few different things uh, throughout time and like across the world. Like there's just there's a lot of birds. Like that is a thing that every place has. So I feel like it's easy to find symbology in something um, that is really common. Um, I really like that logic. There's lots of birds out there. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> But then also like what birds kind of stand for, like they can fly and like the imagery of like a soul ascending to heaven and like the freedom that birds have or like the the freedom of the soul, you know. So I I feel like that definitely uh, played a role in birds being like the main psychopomp. Um, Of course, like then stuff like, you know, birds coming to pick a corpse clean and gathering in graveyards and, you know, <laughs> being yeah, paired with gods like the, Odin. But... The vultures and the ravens and the crows. Yes. That makes <laughs> more sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, in Aztec mythology, the god Zolotl uh, guided the dead to Mictlan, which is like afterlife. And um, in his two forms, he came as a hairless dog. So like mm. thinking Coco, like the movie. Um, oh, funny. <laughs> and uh, a water salamander, which is also known as an axolotl. It's their little water dogs. It's super cute. <laughs> Can you imagine just... Okay, you're dead, and a little oxalotl <laughs> waddles up to you, and it's like time yeah, to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Like that is, that is absolutely so the spirit guide that that we deserve. <laughs> uh, the, the downside to this, however, is that dogs were um, sacrificed to accompany their masters on their voyage to the underworld. So that's. Uh, I mean, I've heard of people nowadays putting in you know cremated remains of dogs with their their loved ones to be buried, but this this is a little more brutal. <laughs> I think I've heard of them doing that in like ancient Egypt too, like having uh, pets entombed w- along with their their deceased owners. I I think I heard that they yeah no were that's alive totally or dead a thing. or not like yeah yeah it's absolutely a thing. I've been to like a few museums where they're like and and this was the smell, uh, celebrated house cat that they loved so much that they uh, killed and embalmed it to, oh <laughs> to be in the tomb. That's so sad <laughs> and totally not okay by today's standards. Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and of course, there are other general psychopomps, uh, way too many to talk about specifically, um, but there's the god Mercury from uh, Roman uh, mythology, Agmios from uh, Celtic origins, uh, Izanami no Mikoto, a Japanese psychopomp, which would be kind of like a Shinigami from Japanese culture, uh, Anguta from Inuit culture, uh, Velis, uh, Slavic, uh, Gwen Ap Nud from Welsh, uh, Oxhead and Horseface is a Chinese psychopomp, Wislav Vanth from Etruscan culture, and so, so, so many more that are way harder to pronounce than those ones. <laughs> <laughs> if you do have an interest, definitely look those up. So that covers a good portion of classically celebrated psychopomps. But how much has the concept of a spirit guide pervaded into the modern day dogma? To no one's surprise, especially in Christianity, today's psychopomps are mainly angel-based rather than God-based. So Yama is still worshipped today. In Filipino culture, there is the concept of the Anito, the spirits of ancestors, deities, and nature. Um, While the spirits of one's dead family are thought to interact with the material world in many different ways, uh, think ghost, one of them, (laughs) of course, was to call newly released souls into the spirit world, guide or meet them on their arrival. All right, so... 
Welcome to this uh, fun segment that I drummed up today for you, Gem, where we discuss the most disturbing looking angel psychopomps. It'll oh. be like a, a horrific dating show. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Am I the contestant? Yeah, you are the contestant. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, our first bachelor today is Azriel. It is the Islamic Archangel of Death. Cool. By day, he separates the soul on God's demand from the mortal body, but by night, he is the angel with the sensitive side you want to seek out to help you grieve your recently deceased loved one. <gasps> Often depicted with a scythe and a cloak, things get really interesting under the hood. Tired of partners <laughs> with just one face? Try four, and if that doesn't do it for you, maybe his thousands of wings and feet will make your heart flutter. <laughs> With enough eyes and tongues covering his body as there are men on Earth, he's only got eyes for you. Wow. And Bachelor number two hails from Judaic theology. Let's hear it for Samuel. Our bad boy this week, Sam is another angel of death, but though a heavenly host, he's got a saucy grim side to him. You may have heard of him by his nickname, Satan. <laughs> Feeling a sin coming on? Here for a long time and a good time, he'll seduce you into all sorts of acts of evil as a test of your morality. Where he lacks in the wing department compared to Azriel, 12 wings, he makes up for in stature. You ladies like a tall fella? It'll take you 500 years to travel a distance equal to his height. Talk about tall, dark, and handsome. Oh, la. <laughs> And our final bachelor today has a bit of a bone to pick with Sammy Boy, so you know he's going to fight for your heart. A big welcome to the Archangel and Saint, Michael. He's ready to do battle with the devil himself just to take your soul to promised eternity. He's even got a song written after him, Michael, Row That Boat Ashore, and that tells the tales of his good deeds carrying souls to paradise. Just look at those arms, ready and waiting to whisk you away to heaven after your final breaths. He's actually uh, kind of normal looking, apparently. Like, just one set of wings, uh, a few more eyes than usual, but generally appears like less of a Lovecraftian horror than his compatriots. <laughs> so, Jem, who's got the bid for your soul when you yeet from this mortal coil? Oh gosh, I just don't know. They all sound so nice. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Bachelor number one. <laughs> now keep in mind, angels and archangels are often shared between the Abrahamic religions, so us speaking on Michael as a Christian angel is just the version we're presenting today. This doesn't mean that he's only a Christian angel. So besides the guardian angel, we see a basic concept of a psychopomp used in tons of modern pop culture and media, even if it's just a trait and not an entire function of a character. Um, obviously, our favorite psychopomp that we all know and love so dearly, the Grim Reaper. This skeletal hooded scythe-wielding death dealer emerged around the 14th century in Europe, which is no surprise for its timing. Uh, the Black Death. Yeesh. <laughs> 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 All of the imagery and symbology checks out, right? A scythe for the reaping of crops or the reaping of souls, the cloaked figure from the garb traditionally worn at funerals, and the decaying bones for, you know, skeletonized remains. But even though he is the most widely recognized psychopomp, there are uh, other psychopomps from different cultures that are heavily present in their pop culture and media. 
So one I came across was uh, Santa Muerte. She is the personification of death in Mexican neo-paganism and uh, alternately named Our Lady of the Holy Death. You would pray to her for like safe passage of your soul into the afterlife and some other things. You know that something is badass when the Catholic Church denounces it, which is what got my attention on this specific topic. <laughs> um, she's got quite the cult following that's grown exponentially over like, the last 10 to 20 years. And uh, she's got a, a shrine actually in Mexico City that's now on my list of places to visit when I start traveling the world. <laughs> Without going way into the sociology of her rising popularity, uh, the, a lot of people felt like dejected by modern religion, uh, outcasts of society. They find solace in this new aspect of religion that basically is being created to fit the needs of the people that are in it. Um, there's even like a subsect that's inclusive to LGBTQ members and like marriages for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, modern times calls for some changes. Absolutely. I actually uh, got myself a necklace with her visage on it for my own collection. <laughs> yes, she is very, very cool, I must say. So the Japanese have their own version of the Grim Reaper um, or Death Spirits. They're actually just kind of like a group of beings or demons even called the Shinigami. And uh, they are very, very prevalent in pop culture references, definitely in anime and manga and things like this. Um, obvious ones being Bleach and Death Note, but the anime Hellgirl is another notable one with more of a sell your soul for revenge and four spirits carry off your victim into the dark flames of the abyss kind of vibe. Red highly recommends it <laughs> <laughs> to anyone interested. But one of my favorite things uh, that involves death a lot of the times are video games. Death in general is a really popular topic for video games. And I have actually recently been doing a lot of research on that kind of stuff. Uh, not only are there tons and tons of games out there with references of the Grim Reaper, Guardian Angels, uh, Ghost Spirits, The Afterlife... Um, there's a lot of video games, honestly, dealing with the emotions of death, playing through that as a video game, as opposed to, you know, having to deal with it in real life is really interesting. Yeah, there's tons and tons of video games. Like I, when I was researching this, because I've, I've played a lot of them myself, um, and I just, I tried to narrow it down to the more, you know, common ones. So like Flipping Death, and honestly, my personal favorite uh, would be the Grim Fandango. Um, this is what, like just immediately the first piece of modern media that popped into my head when I started writing this episode. And um, it's, it's, it's I highly recommended Red Seal of Approval. It's an older <laughs> game, um, but it basically it starts with uh, this Department of Death worker, Manny, and he sells packages to the recently reposed that uh, help quicken their journey to the land of the dead. Uh, it, like I said, it is older. It's a point and click, but there's been like an HD remake. It's on like PlayStation and stuff. It's been ported to all sorts of different uh, consoles now. And the ugh, the writing is just top chart comic gold. Like you have to play it if you haven't. That sounds so cool. I actually have never played this game, so I'll definitely add it to my list. There's also a fun mission in Skyrim, which is a more popular game that some of you probably recognize, for Mars Temple, where you get to be a psychopomp, helping a ghost couple move on in their afterlife. And for anyone who's just just tumbling down this this nerd hole with us, uh, if you are into D&D, there's actually a class uh, that is the Psychopomp class. And it's like half it's a build that's halfway between Cleric and Warlock. And you get to use a scythe. Like, I... I haven't been playing with a group in a long time, but this made me really, really, really want to get into D&D &D again. That does sound really fun. 
<laughs> so I was hoping to actually discuss now our personal favorite psychopomps that uh, we came across during the, all the research for this episode. Um, and one, I have, I have two. I have two. Um, one is going to be Papa Geed for me. Who's Papa Geed? Papa Geed is one of the gods of death in voodoo. Um, he's often depicted wearing like a top hat and smoking cigars. Uh, he'll wait at the crossroads to take souls to the spirit worlds. And it's like it's said in, in the lore, like he's the corpse of the first man who ever died. Oh. Uh, he's like there's a, a geed itself. I'm probably butchering that. But a geed itself, there's like many different geeds. But he's like the good one. Is that similar to the the quote unquote villain in the Princess and the Frog movie? Yeah, actually, it is uh, loosely they loosely base that character on on this for sure. Mm. Uh, this would be a psychopomp that would like basically crash another deity ceremony just to party, and I I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> like Papa likes to party. He's got a wicked sense of like sexual humor apparently, so I could totally see us sharing some rum and making something like that. So she said jokes. So like, he's definitely <laughs> got to be on my list of favorites. Um, one of my favorites that we actually didn't talk about yet is um, sirens. And sirens are basically these um, kind of like mermaid type creatures that show up in culture and they're supposed to be the personification of temptation. So, you know, you're out at sea and these sirens show up and they're singing. And if you hear their song, they can uh, distract you and tempt you and lure you uh, to your death as they basically drown you in the ocean, um, which is super hardcore. (laughs) And I I think it's so cool. Um, I just like that, you know, they're they're personification of temptation in culture. And uh, I like the whole like nautical vibe, of course, but also just like down with the patriarchy. Um, And just keeping on the nautical vibe, another one of my favorite psychopoms is Davy Jones, showing up in a lot, a lot of culture references, even SpongeBob. Um, So I guess you can consider him a ferryman for souls. All right, Jim, it's finally happening. I finally get to talk about my boy Anubis. It's, oh, y'all thought, y'all thought, y'all thought I'd forget, but I was just saving him for last. This is our patron saint of embalming. He is the protector of cemeteries. He is the guardian on the path to the afterlife. And he's one of the earliest psychopomps to date. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us know he's that half man, half jackal, all badass. <laughs> and uh, he, he would weigh the hearts of the dead against a feather to see if the soul was like worthy of entering the afterlife. And if lighter, you pass on to heaven. And if heavier, he tosses your heart to be eaten by a demon crocodile lion hippo, which is honestly the most terrifying chimera of aggressive animals I can think of. <laughs> It is a bloody crime that I have not gotten a tattoo of Anubis yet. I'm honestly ashamed of myself. Uh, I love Anubis as well. It's actually funny because um, I guess I, I knew the whole heart weighing thing, but hearts are always heavier than the feathers. So I feel like that's kind of funny. <laughs> a, real, a real empty uh, empty heaven. <laughs> Scientifically, your heart is always heavier than a feather. Yeah. <laughs> that's very cool, though. Yeah, I mean, we learned about Anubis in like, in our classes when we learned how to be funeral directors when when, uh, (laughs) any any sort of like death culture class or history class or anything like this so he is definitely our boy (laughs) 
So we've given you a lot of options for uh, your choice of psychopomp at the end of your life, but if if none of those tickle your fancy, though, you could just find a psychopomp in a friend or become a psychopomp yourself. Um, I, through researching this episode, I was able to find some like uh, help books, essentially, that could uh, help you find some latent powers in yourself, uh, see if you can be a psychopomp for others. Is it like dumb, the dummy's guide to psychopomp 101? <laughs> dummy's guide to guiding souls. Oh, that's great. No. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, unfortunately, I can see that. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that, you know, we talked about this before. Like, I am someone who believes in, you know, uh, spirits and uh communication with the deceased after life stuff like this um because i've experienced it firsthand we have an episode on it that you should listen to mm. but uh i also coming with this i believe in you know psychic mediums and um people with the abilities to communicate with these spirits and you know help people along their way like i get it um Unfortunately, though, there there are people that take advantage of this and why, and they cannot do this, but it's good money, and I guess it makes you feel important, so <laughs> I <laughs> I see where the, uh, the appeal is. Um, yeah, that's just unfortunate. Like, it, you would know if you could talk to the spirits, I guess. I don't think that's something you gotta, like, read a book about. Yeah, <laughs> or take a it, test online, <laughs> personality <laughs> test. Right, based on the website that I was looking at, it it might as well have been all in like Comic Sans. So <laughs> I say uh, that that specific website telling you that you could be a psychopomp, I just say they're full of pomp. Aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> boo! I had to, I had to say it. I hate, I hate myself for it, but I had to say it. No, it's good. And that's gonna be all for us this week on Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials, so like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot for us to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think in a comment, or drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear, or some burning questions you might have about death, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. Our game show theme is titled Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marcin for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at Marson, that's M-A-R-S-O-N, music.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marcin. And be sure to tune in every other week on Thursdays for some more casual discussions on death. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye.